the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Ab number 108 for Monday, June 18th, 2007. Greetings, folks, and welcome to the uh, Mac Geek Cab. I'm Dave Hamilton, of course. I'm here with John Braun. Hi, John. How are you? Of course. Happy Father's Day. Hey, thanks. Belated. Yeah, Belated. one day late. That's right. You're a, you're a father. Uh, yeah, absolutely. As far as I know. Very happily, yeah. You get any ties? or? Uh, my son uh, gave me a little case for paper clips, which is pretty cool that he made, and my daughter nice. made a tie at school. So, yeah, actually, I did get a tie. It was made out of paper, <laughs> but uh, it's actually pretty cool. So. And did the kids behave for a day? Oh, we had a great day, yeah. yeah. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, yeah I excellent. had... Had the family over. We we actually had a combined uh, Father's Day, birthday. Uh, it was like a combination of three events because we were all like traveling and stuff. So uh, yeah, so cool. it was like a triple party if cool. you can handle that. Yeah, I I, uh, I didn't really see the kids until Sunday morning because I got back my oh, flight my right. flight from DC. Developer land. So how? Oh, that's right. You can't talk about. No, it. I, I can't. Well, I can't <laughs> talk about some of the some of the specifics. But it, what and, can't you talk about? Could you talk about that? <laughs> Let me give you a list. Um, it. it this show, more than any other trade show I've been to since, reminded me of those first couple Applefest shows that we went to. Macworld, uh, yeah, back in the day, yeah. Macworld, love. Yeah, it was just well, it was just a bunch of geeks, is what it was. It was a much smaller show, of course, than than Macworld is, and uh, and everybody there was a geek. So it, it, you know, Macworld is obviously a very consumer show, and I like going there too. Uh, it, it's just a different vibe, and and I had I had forgotten what it was like to be at a trade show just with a bunch of geeks, and uh, and it was fantastic. I, I really really enjoyed it. Um, I should have been going for years, both both personally and professionally. But I, I had a blast. I think you'd really. Right, so these are like the dreamers. These are the people trying to squeeze every little bit of whatever the heck it is out of the Mac operating system. So. Yeah, it's all the all the software vendors. Yeah, and and I have to say in in general. That I was blown away by how accessible Apple's engineers are um, at all the conferences and in the labs and everything. I mean, these people really want to make their technology work for you and make it so that, you know, the apps that you're developing are going to work on the Mac plat- platform. And it, it's just it really was blown away. It was it was great. I, I they, really, they'd really like enjoyed you, the show. They'd like you to think so. No, no, no. I, 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 it's true. I think <laughs> oh, you'd, I'm kidding. No, I, I Apple, think you'd enjoy Apple this show. Awesome. I, I think you'd have a blast at this show, John. So well, I think I would because you know my 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 Mac development is more you know hobbyist. Uh, you know, I'll mm-hmm. fire up Xcode every now and then, run some samples, and yep. and be like, wow, that's really interesting. But I've never done any hardcore stuff like I do on the Windows side. So yeah, I think I'd uh, yeah, and it, really it, get into it because I still get the sense that the 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 Mac suite, uh, you know, because Microsoft pours dollars oh, massive yeah. dollars into their developer program and, yeah. and i'm a member of it and you get all the tools and and all that and microsoft even though the the os you know leaves a bit to be desired their their support for it is is outstanding so uh, and and i would after what i saw this week i would have to say that apple I, I don't know anything about microsoft's developer program but i would have to say that apple's support like i said it blew me away and and i was it was really cool again without getting into specifics i really thought it, it was interesting to see the way they take a new technology, let's say they're developing some feature for, you know, Leopard or, or whatever, instead of just developing the feature in a box, they, they, they do that and then they break out all the components of it and say, okay, what do we need to make this thing work? And 
and and then they make it work, but they make their new feature simply a wrapper around all these frameworks that they've broken out, and then of course give you access uh, to to all the frameworks that it took to make whatever the new technology is work, and and that way you know it opens up a world of possibilities for all these third party developers. I mean, you can look at the list of new features in in uh, in Leopard and say, okay, well, there's some things that it takes to to make each of those work. And wouldn't it be cool if I could hook into it? And of course, the answer is you can. You know, and it, and and that's nothing new. I mean, all the developers are are well aware of this. I it just I I never never really understood the evolution process there. And uh, and for that alone, it was it was very enlightening. I loved it. It was a great show. Excellent. So when yeah. when can we uh, look forward to? Uh, did did they announce a, a fixed release date now? I, no, I think I I didn't hear a fixed release date. I heard October. Uh, I think in the keynote was, okay, was you're what in? Jobs had said. What's that? So yeah. maybe at uh, MacWorld uh, next year. Oh, I think I think I think we'll have Leopard or before that. Long I'm before, sure. yeah, long before MacWorld next year. Yeah. Now they they have to release it in October, otherwise they'll you know be lambasted for having yet another Vista. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So today's show we have. Uh, uh, all sorts of things. Back to your feedback. Upgrading, IP addressing, iTunes, infrared, all sorts of great stuff. So we will start with, uh, and of course, if I wasn't just rambling here with you about WWDC, I would have had Bob's question totally ready to go. Uh, but believe it or not, now I do. But you don't. Hi, John and Dave. This is Bob in California. I love your show. I'm thinking about getting a new iMac as soon as the new editions come out. And I have a question about RAM. I notice on the current version, Apple charges quite a premium for additional RAM. It comes with one gigabyte. You want to upgrade to three. That's only two gigabytes more. They want $500 extra for it. Seems pretty steep. Uh, I can get three gigabytes of RAM at Crucial for uh, $200, less than 200 And I'm wondering, is there any reason why I shouldn't buy just the base model at one gigabyte of RAM? take out the memory chips and add my own memory later. I called Apple and they had lots of explanations about how their quality control is so rigid and how it might work at the beginning, but um, years from now you want to make sure that the quality is still there and I don't think I buy that argument and I wondered what your opinion is. Thanks very much. All right, so yeah, I, I, uh, I wouldn't buy that argument either, would you, John? I would. What? Yeah, but you're, oh. you're biased. Oh, I'm sorry. The disclaimer. Okay. The disclaimer, yes, I am a, a very happy, and, and I hope many listeners are. I'm a very happy Apple stockholder. Yeah, but that doesn't mean we need to, to uh, you know, skewer the customers here. Uh, yeah. But no, yeah. I'm with you. I mean, as far as I know, the only difference with Apple memory is that it has a little Apple on it, probably, and maybe not even. Yeah, that's right. That's right. um, but they're they're not doing anything. The only thing I would say is that you are one hundred percent guaranteed, or not, that the RAM will work. I mean, there's, there's out of the, ever out of the so box, slight a ch- there's ever so slight a chance if you get it from a vendor, especially one that doesn't understand the specifications for Mac memory. Right. You may if if it's somebody who's totally clueless about Mac memory, you could get it where it does fit in the slot, but it may not be the optimum speed or timing. Or, or even, you know, they have some other RAM parameters, uh, yep. you know, paired. We won't go into great detail, but but I suppose there's a remote chance that you could get something that you can plug in, but it doesn't work because it's too slow or the wrong type. So 
There, there was an is- issue years ago with the Pismo PowerBook, and it hit me because I had uh, some third-party RAM in mind, and there was an OS X update, uh, firm, rather a firmware update. I'm not even sure if it was OS X, but there was a firmware update that came out on a Friday night. I installed it on Saturday, and suddenly my machine only had half of its RAM. And uh, as it turns out, I had, I had put some third-party RAM in from Ramjet, actually. And I emailed him and said, okay, you know, there's this thing. And, and we sort of, over over the course of a couple of days, realized, yeah, okay, this is a, a known issue now with this update. It, it increased the tolerance. Apple had published the spec, like you said, for the Pismo. And not everyone followed that spec exactly. Or perhaps they did and the spec changed. I'm not sure. But, but there was some... The firmware update tightened some tolerances and essentially rendered the RAM that was in there unreadable by the machine. Ramjet, to their credit, and I believe just about every other RAM vendor out there at the time, uh, went ahead and replaced the RAM instantly and, of course, at no cost to uh, to any of the customers. So, yeah, it is possible. But like you said, people have learned their lesson now, and Apple's very good about publishing their spec. Crucial isn't going to sell you bad RAM. I mean, it's it's what they do. You know, so for them to to sell you anything that's not going to work no, it, it, you know, it's not going to happen. And and like you like you found, you can save quite a bit of money. I, I remembered seeing I think it was on Friday, Thursday or Friday. I read TMO from the road and saw that OWC had a four gig kit for the new MacBook Pro, 219 bucks for two two gigabyte chips. And then on top of that, if you trade in your old what your two one gigabyte chips, they'll give you 50 bucks back. So. Uh, you know, I mean, this that's cheap. That that's and that's a great deal. And and I think from Apple, it's five or six hundred bucks. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Apple. So just make sure you get the right spec. Yeah. I mean, they will list this. You may have to dig a little bit. Like for example, the current batch of MacBooks take. Uh, let's see, it's a six sixty seven megahertz DDR two SD RAM. So just Correct. make sure you got those numbers when you're looking for the memory and the model of your computer. I mean, I suppose the only thing you could do wrong is maybe get memory that isn't fast enough i mean i would imagine if you get memory that's rated slower it just won't run as well run quickly which uh um, or it may not run yeah or it may not run again as you pointed out and i had this happen actually a while back on, on my machine too the power uh power mac is that they do the same thing it's like oh there's a firmware update and i'm like yay i'm going to apply it without really knowing what it does which you know i'm stupid that way but all of a sudden <laughs> yeah it didn't see a bunch of my memory because the memory chip does have on it capabilities so the computer will say hey what do you do and how fast do you do it and the chip says okay well here's my story and yeah they, they made a firmware update which brought in the uh the tolerances and and all of a sudden the chips it just didn't see them that's right that's right yeah. <laughs> so right. yes you can save some dough you can save some dough that's right all right moving along to steven and uh and his update question hi john and dave this is steve power from melbourne in australia I was originally listening to MacGeek Gab number 105 where you were talking to about Stefan and he's um, upgrading his PowerBook to a larger hard drive. Um, you made mention of how, how difficult it is and uh, giving it perhaps to a technical person to do that sort of work. Um, I would agree with that, um, but it is also possible to do it yourself. There's some great instructions on the internet. I went to ifixit.com and got some great instructions. So when I upgraded my PowerBook G4 12-inch from the 60-gig hard drive to a 160-gig Samsung hard drive, all I did was follow those instructions, and uh, and that was great. Um, love your show. hope it all goes well. If you uh, want to send me an email, I can be reached. 
All right. So I am shocked that we've never mentioned iFixit on this show, and I don't believe we have. It, it, Stephen's right. It's a fantastic site, uh, great resource, and uh, well, well worth visiting if, if you are someone who wants to do this but doesn't know how. They, they publish all this stuff. It's great. Yeah, I'd say, yeah, if you are going to get inside your machine, then here's here's a few things. Number one, uh, you may have seen one of these. If you don't know what it is, try to get one. But a grounding strap is, a, is your friend. Hmm. Um, I think a, a cause of a lot of mishaps with computers is static and zapping things, especially when you start disassembling machines and taking parts out. Um, from what I've seen, zapping parts, you know, because you have too much static on you, is a big cause of things. Now, I found another place, which uh, it's probably not as in-depth, but it is good, is that Apple has a do-it-yourself section yep. on their site. And if you go to www.apple.com slash support slash DIY for do-it-yourself, there are certain things, depending on the machine, as Dave and I pointed out, some machines are totally open, some are very closed, but this will give you a list of all of the instructions for all of the things that you can, like a memory chip, or like I remember one time I, I replaced the feet on one of my power books. It was actually a do-it-yourself. You could you could go online and order the you know foot kit, and it came with the little feet and the adhesive, because one of, my, one of the models of the machine had the feet, and they would fall off, because they used a, a crummy adhesive. So uh, you never know sometimes. You, there may be a fix for some of those. Uh, now, you know, most people wouldn't be crazy about that. They're like, so what? One of the little rubber feet fell off. But for Apple people, especially when you get, you know, this beautifully designed machine, having it kind of wobble and tilt on a desk is aggravating. So, yeah, I ordered the kit, put the new ones on there, and I was very happy. That's sweet. <laughs> I didn't realize that feet were part of the DIY pro. I mean, obviously it makes sense, but uh, that's good to know. I, I ordered it, and they shipped out a box, and it had, you know, one little envelope with the little feet and another with an adhesive, and they gave you the, you know, very carefully, you know, clean off the spot and apply the adhesive and then let it sit for this long. But, I mean, that attention to detail is just that's awesome. amazing. That's awesome. Uh, Mac Geekgab at MacObserver.com. I'm sorry, that's the old address, but it still works. Feedback at MacGeekGab.com is the preferred address. Of course, 206-666-GEEK, which is? 4335. Yeah, that's right. Gary, what's your question? Hey, John and Dave. Gary from Surprise, Arizona, long-time listener, first-time caller. Hey, I ran into a little snafu burning uh, my legal DVD collection onto my MacBook Pro to uh, go into iTunes and then throw it out to my Apple TV. I have File Vault turned on, and apparently File Vault uh, will not let me increase the size of my home directory past 90 gigs. And no matter what I've tried, I cannot get it to expand that, so I have had to move my iTunes library to an external drive, which while it works, it isn't as convenient as having it on the laptop drive. So if you guys have any ideas or suggestions, I'm all ears. Thanks. All right. So I want to address this whole point about File Vault and 90 gigs, but let's first answer his question. So the problem is he's got a 90 gig home directory limit for, 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 for whatever reason. And his iTunes library causes his home directory to go larger than that. So my thought is it doesn't sound like he cares and correct us if we're, if we're wrong. Of course, Gary, it doesn't sound like you care whether or not your iTunes directory is, is encrypted or, or saved in your file vault image. And if that's the case, uh, store your iTunes directory outside of it, put it on uh, maybe in shared, right? Slash user slash shared, create a folder, 
make it world writable and uh, or, or make it writable only by your user if you want. And then just dump all your stuff in, the, you know, make that your uh, your iTunes directory. And you can do that in iTunes. Go to uh, the preferences menu, choose advanced and choose general. Change the iTunes music folder location. Make sure copy files to iTunes music folder when adding to library and keep iTunes music folder organized are checked. Click OK. And then the magic step is to go to the advanced menu and choose consolidate library. That will copy everything from wherever it is into wherever you have told it to put your iTunes library. Copy, though. Once it's there, confirm that it's there, and then you have to go delete it from the old location. So that's uh, that, That's my thought. John, you, uh, you want to either address any thoughts you have on that or perhaps this 90 gig thing? I have no thoughts on on what you talked about. That sounds on the mark. Okay. The um, I was poking around online, and I it, we were we were chatting about this b- before the show. But yes, FileVault puts a limit, and from what I could see from some casual surfing, the limit is I believe half of your um, available space. So it seems to be, or I'm sorry, no half. Uh, let me see. Now it's related to the home directory. Depending on the size of your home directory, okay. Um, when you're using file vault, it can only grow so large, and I think it's related to the amount of space that you have. Let me okay. see what I found. I'm sorry. That's okay. Uh, I uh, I recently ran into. I'm sorry. Requires at least double the actual size of your home directory. So it, okay. at some point, file vault needs, I guess, extra space to uh, do its thing. So that's why you're running into that limitation. So okay, get a bigger drive, but um. I, I personally, I'm kind of fuzzy on it because personally, I mean, even though File Vault sounds like a great idea, yep. um, I personally don't use it. So yeah, I don't, I you? don't use it either. No, I, I did run into a similar problem uh, mm-hmm. recently in that, actually, years ago, I ran into the first phase of this problem, which is my iTunes folder wouldn't fit on my laptop drive, and so years ago, I migrated it off. I have a hundred and I think I've got one one external drive that's 500 gigs and one that's 180, and I actually have uh, had the iTunes library on the 180 with some backups, and then have it clone that once a week to my 500 gig drive. So I've got you know always copies of uh, double copies of everything. It got to the point where I couldn't fit my iTunes library and the backups I wanted on this 170 gig, and it was a full full size you know wall powered drive, AC powered drive, and so I recently bought a uh, a portable hard drive, 200 gig drive just for my iTunes library, which makes it easy when I travel. Cause it's, I bought one of these, um, uh, other world computing, uh, on the go drives. And so it, it's totally bus powered and, and makes it really easy. I just plug it into the, the Mac. It'll do it. Now this one was interesting. It'll do USB two, firewire 400 and firewire 800. Now my, I have the first gen MacBook pro firewire 400 only. So I thought, okay, that's fine. I'm, you know, see some, Upward compatibility as I as I you know migrate forward, I get the drive. It's got USB two and two FireWire eight hundred ports, and I thought, oh, man, I can't believe it. You know how did I screw this up? They didn't even have a drive listed that said that. And then I looked, and in the box was a cable to connect FireWire eight hundred to FireWire four hundred, and uh, and of course it works just fine. So I got the two hundred gig model, which is plenty plenty big for what I need at least uh, right now, but you never okay. know. Okay, yeah. and yeah, I found another reference here. Again, yeah, the uh, file vault needs free space equivalent to the size of the user's home folder. So uh, get a big hard drive if you're going to use uh, file vault. Yeah, and make sure you never forget your password, too. <laughs> yeah, so. you know, we, we did get a, a question. As far as I know, we, we did get a question emailed to us uh, from someone saying, I forgot my uh, 
It was, or I'm sorry, yeah, encrypted disk image password. Correct. As far as I know, you're you're out of luck. That's right. I mean, that's yeah. why you have, and from what I recall, I, I think they're using AES-192 or 256, so yeah. you're not going to brute force the, the, I mean, unless you use the crummy password. The only saving grace here is if you use the really lame, short password uh, to encrypt your disk image, then you may be able to, uh, I don't know, write a script to brute force it. But other than that, I mean, that's that's why you encrypt it. Good luck, good luck with that, man. <laughs> I mean, I've seen some things like, you know, PDF file encryption and stuff where they use kind of not that great algorithms and they have utilities that can kind of, you know, expose the contents. But, you know, an an encrypted disk image using something recent like AES, uh, which is, you know, a pretty powerful algorithm with a big key. Forget it. Forget it. So our sponsor for this show is Audible at audible.com. But if you click the link in our show notes, you will get an Audible free download. And two-week free trial to Audible Listener Gold. Now, Audible, of course, sells audiobooks about just about anything. They've got, what, you know, close to 40,000 books, I think, online. You can listen to them on your Mac, on your Windows machine, if you must. You can burn them to CD, listen to them in your car, and then import them and, and use them anywhere at that point. iPod, Trio, pretty much any portable player. Not all of them, but, like, you know, 99% of them will do it. All kinds of great content out there. Uh, some Mac-related books. Stephen Levy's The Perfect Thing, which is, of course, about uh, the iPod uh, economy. The Icon book about Steve Jobs. Alan Deutschman's The Second Coming of Steve Jobs. And I Was, How He Invented the Personal Computer and Had Fun Along the Way. It Fantastic. Actually, like I said, I downloaded that Steve Martin book, uh, uh, and I can't even remember the name of it, but it was good. And I listened to it uh, driving home from the airport the other night while I was fading away to sleep. And as soon as I turned on the book and started listening to Steve ramble on. It was fantastic. So kept me awake, kept me alive. And that is always a good thing. Audible at audible.com, but go ahead and click the link in the show notes. It's good for you. And frankly, it's good for us because it lets them know that, uh, that you came through. And with that, we will move on to an oldie, but a goodie. Hey, John and Dave love the show. Recently, just a few days ago, I was given a blue and white old G3 power Mac and I've been working on it. I put in uh, some new extra RAM, brought it up to 512, took out the old useless zip drive, and put Tiger on it. Now, I've got two problems with it. The first one is, with Tiger, uh, whenever I put the computer to sleep, I hear the video card go off, <clears throat> but the fan keeps going, and the light doesn't turn to yellow, and the computer doesn't just go to sleep all the way. So I'm wondering if you can think of anything that would make it not go to sleep in Tiger. When it was originally had Panther on it, when I put it to sleep, it went to sleep and the light on the front turned amber color instead of green. Uh, my second problem is I tried putting in a, a, a new replacement ATA hard drive for it. And the hard drive, I uh, partitioned it up, made the first partition 12 gigabytes, and the second one as big as anything. HFS Plus in order to boot Tiger off the first one. And no matter what I do, I set the jumpers to master, I did everything right that I thought of, and the thing still wouldn't boot. I always got the uh, the folder and the Mac symbol, um, the Happy Mac folder looking for the system folder. So those are my two problems with it. Thanks a bunch. Love the show. You- All right. Uh, you you want to you wanna start with this, John, or should I... Uh- Wow, he's got a lot of problems. He does. All right. So, uh, uh, so first off, that's a nice machine. Uh, I'll toss out something. As far as things not going to sleep, it, it, an initial guess here would be that 
since it did work before on Panther, but not Tiger, I would say one of the drivers, one of the devices in there, and I don't know the entire history of what's in there as far as hard disk controllers or video cards, but it sounds to me like one of the drivers is either damaged or wrong in that it's uh, not listening. I mean, you know, typically sleep, the computer says, okay, everybody, you know, go into low power mode and, you know, go away. And, And something is saying... Huh? <laughs> That's right. And and basically not listening to that. So I mean, if if you can, I mean, pull as much hardware as you can out of that machine. Of course, the video card may be tough, uh, or swap out things. Uh, but it sounds to me like one of the drivers. Uh, I mean, of course, make sure your you know software update is is absolutely up to date. But it could be a third party vendor that has an updated driver that uh you know that you need in Tiger in order to allow it to sleep properly. Because I've had this. I mean, it's been years, but I did have at one point a hard drive controller, uh, an old Adaptec that, for whatever reason, just would not let the machine go to sleep because the driver uh, didn't understand that. So, so that's one thought, and uh, you probably have a few more. Well, yeah, actually, I had one that just hit me here. You know, he did install a new hard drive. Uh, it's possible that drive is is keeping things awake too. But, uh, but uh, you oh, know, that's right. The drive may not be listening to sleep. I was thinking also. He he said with the drive. Um, you know, some drives, he may want to pull the jumper. I don't know if the jumper, some drives, if you have no jumper, that's the default state of the drive. Some others, you have to, you know, put a jumper to make it the master drive. So yeah, maybe pull the single, jumper and see if something. Single is different from master, right, with, with ATA mm-hmm. drives. So, and I believe the Max always preferred cable select, which is a whole different jumper mm-hmm. setting on the drive. Right, so. right. Yeah, and I think a lot of times pulling the jumper puts it in cable slack mode. So it, you may be right. Yeah, uh, maybe. Eh, and you know. and so okay. So um, my thoughts about about the sleep thing: reset PRAM, command option PR on boot on that machine. You can reset NVRAM. We've got another tip about that. Uh, and NVRAM is command option OF to get into open firmware, and then reset hyphen all. I believe will do it. Uh, I usually do reset hyphen NVRAM mm-hmm. enter and then reset hyphen all. That's how I was always, that's how I was raised. Uh, as, and also check the console log when, when you come back up, you know, if it doesn't go to sleep, check and see if there's anything being reported there in, in console that, that might indicate what's going on there or system log. If you've got a reboot, cause the console log might get wiped out. Yep. As far, uh, as far as the hard drive, uh, you know, back in the OS nine days, we had to worry about blessing drives. And I know that's still kind of an issue here. I don't know how you got Tiger onto the drive. Uh, Tiger, of course, usually comes from a DVD, and I believe those blue and whites tended not to have DVD drives. I guess some of them did. So uh, however you're getting it on there, make sure it's actually blessing that drive and installing uh, a full bootable partition on there. Um, that. And speaking of partitions, yeah. that, that was the question I had. He, he said... Um, the first partition is 12 gigs and the rest is the rest of the drive. I guess my only question is, why are you partitioning? Well, I believe it or not, I have a blue and white G3. It's actually a machine mm-hmm. that sits in, in my office and runs as a FileMaker server for, for us here at TMO and BackBeat. And that machine doesn't have a DVD in it. So what I had to do was a similar thing. I chopped up the drive into two pieces and made an image of the Tiger DVD and put that on the drive so that I could then install from it from the copy of tiger that I'd bought for that machine. So, uh, so maybe that's what he did. I kind of assumed it was, but then listening to the question uh, again here during the show, I thought, well, maybe not. 
So tough to say, but uh, but you yeah, know, make- I I tend to not like partitioning drives unless unless I absolutely have right. to because right. You know, it, it it was some emotional scarring from many years ago. But getting a corrupted partition table, um, you know, just just is is bad. So, you know, to me, the less partitions, the better. The less chance of something going horribly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> or are you saying, "Gee, I didn't set aside enough space." Whoops. Yeah, yeah. Use the whole drive. So I'm kind of old fashioned that way. It's just just. Set aside the whole drive as one partition, and who knows? Maybe maybe that'll fix it. Yeah. Now nowadays you can do that. In in the old days, actually, there was there was yeah. compelling reason not to because your block size got too big. But, but as we talked about, that that's not an issue here. All right. So yes. we talked about NVRAM not for the first time recently, and James had a comment about exactly what in, we talked about it. And what was it? Two, maybe three shows ago. I don't know. Hey, John and Dave. This is James from Oregon, and uh, you just recently. Uh, it was actually in the show for the 4th of June. Um, you had a caller, I believe his name is Tom Collin, about an issue with a USB 2 hard drive and his Intel-based Mac. And you advised him to zap the PRAM to see if that would fix it, and you also commented on him, uh, resetting his NVRAM. Um, on Intel Macs, um, which is no longer the same as the PowerPC, there's no open firmware. It's all EFI. And so there's no way from the boot up to clear NVRAM. It's physically possible to run an EFI script command through terminal. And don't even ask me to tell you that because I don't know if off the top of my head. But I can tell you that resetting NVRAM on Intel-based Macs is completely different than it was in the PowerPC. So there is no open firmware prompt that you can log into. Holding those keys down at startup won't do a thing, unfortunately. Um, so hopefully... Uh, if Tom hears this, he didn't get too frustrated with you guys on that. Just because uh, if he was trying to do it, it would not have worked. But yeah, zapping the PRAM, that does sound like a good idea. But I just want to let you know about uh, the no more open firmware on any new Intel-based Mac. All right, thanks a lot. Love the show. Bye. Thank you, James. Of course, there's no open firmware on the Intel-based Macs. Uh, and and there's no easy way to get into the EFI uh, menus or, 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 yeah, menu system, I guess. there There is one, though. Uh, on on all the Intel motherboards, and I found a blog post by someone who calls themselves Knack uh, that talks about how to get into the uh, the EFI system. I don't recommend it. It's not going to work well for you, um, it, and it may <laughs> it may end with uh, you know a really nice looking brick on your desk. So be very careful doing this. But we will link to it because you know that's just how we are. Warning, warning, danger, disclaimer, get the lawyers here. But uh, the EFI, of course, being extensible firmware interface. Get you go. Which I guess is what happens after BIOS and, and all of those weird incarnations. But I guess okay. it's it's the latest thing for all the uh, Intel kids to That's use right. EFI. That's right. Yeah, it sounds pretty dangerous from what you told me. Probably not an approved interface to it. Oh, no, not at all. But you can go get the stuff. You can go download uh, Intel's EFI sample and, and install it and... You're good to go. It'll it'll work. But like I said, uh, <laughs> I I don't I don't feel any compelling reason to do it here. So, uh, and just for that, just because we screwed that up, I'll uh, I, I'll share a tip that. Uh, well, what do you mean we? I mean I don't have one of these fancy newfangled Intel Macs. So hanging I'm... me out to dry. <laughs> <laughs> You're on your own, brother. Yeah, it sounds like it. So I was traveling this week and uh, was thinking about ways I had to do a little. Uh, thing in the apple's go-to-market lab where we were 
we backbeat were presenting to developers and I wanted to run a little keynote presentation just in kiosk mode on my, on my MacBook, just to, you know, kind of have something rolling while I was talking to people and a little something to attract people over and, you know, maybe give people something to read. So uh, I just, you know, I built this little thing one afternoon and was rolling it and realized I had to do this with the battery off or with the, you know, with, without the battery uh, on battery power is what I'm trying to say. You all knew that. And so I went through and I, I disabled all my networking and turned off airport and turned off Bluetooth. And then as I was packing it up, I saw the IR port on it. And I thought, you know, one thing that eats my palms battery or did in the days when the palms all had IR ports oh, yeah. was the IR port. And, and of course, there's one for the uh, for the remote on my MacBook Pro. And so I started hunting around. I'm like, how, you know, how am I going to find this? And and I wound up going into the security system preference pane. And sure enough, in there there is a an option to turn this off. Now, I understand why it's in the security pane because, of course, it's th- there's a security risk by having it on. However, uh. and I'll let, and John will tell, talk a little bit more about that, but I don't know why it's not in the energy saver prefs because it, it does, in fact, you know, presumably anyway, make the machine that much uh, less power hungry. So uh, that's my uh, that's my tip of the of the week that I stumbled into. I always come back from traveling with with little tips, and that's that's this one. So you want Excellent. to talk about the security there, John? Um, I've I've only heard this secondhand because uh, it was through a uh, coworker, but apparently, what I understand on the machines that have an IR port, which is not mine, um, you can pair the IR remote with that machine. Is that correct, Dave? You do. You have the option of pairing your remote you to your computer so that option. no other remote will work. But okay, if, but if Would we you don't. Just you basically just gave away the the hack here or the annoyance for your coworkers is if someone has not set up the pairing for the IR port then as far as i can tell anybody with an apple remote could just run around and start messing with the uh machines of people who um have not paired that's right i don't know if you can shut off but you could probably do some things like move the cursor around and all that i know you can i don't know what level of control up. You can start up a Mac with the remote, and I think you can put Shut it to down. sleep. I think you can put it to sleep by holding, <laughs> uh, holding the the play pause button in. I, I think that'll actually turn uh, it off. Yeah. Okay. So all you merry pranksters out there, yeah, let us know how that works out. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's kind of a that 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 is a concern that anybody could. It's a good feature, but it's a bad feature. And I guess you know the way to deal with that is is uh, and I've read about this similar with with the cameras in some of the Macs. Their security concerns is a nice little peak piece of uh, electrical tape or duct tape will do wonders. That's so right. if you're really worried about remote spying via the uh, camera built into all the new machines, because I know there are people that work in government installations and other you know kind of places you can't talk about where having a camera is terrible. Or even having an open IR port is terrible. So, uh, yeah. so break out that tape, and uh, you know, if you're worried about that sort of thing, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this one more question, and then we'll uh, and we'll get get into wrapping up here. Uh, Kaz writes, first time, first time. <laughs> Kaz didn't write all that. There wasn't a bunch of uh, gobbledygook <laughs> there. That was just me. I have a question about IP addresses. My current ISP is providing me with my own static IP address, and from there on, I have assigned two of my Windows, one Mac, one Xbox, and one PS3 with a static IP address. But I'm considering switching to another ISP who I believe will be providing me with a dynamic IP address. I wanted to know whether I will need to set up my IP addresses again, or would they all remain the same and all I have to do is input my new user details? 
Thanks for taking the time. Okay. So Kaz, the, I'm, I'm inferring from what you, you talked about here that you're getting one static IP address from the cable company that's being assigned to your router. And then inside your network, you're using uh, NAT routing or, or something mm. similar to that, uh, some automatic proxy. And therefore, in assigning static internal non-routable IP addresses to all the computers in your in your house or in your network there. Assuming that's the case, changing from a static to a dynamic on your one lone outbound IP address or your one lone public IP address shouldn't make a difference. As far as uh, as far as I know, you, you'll you'll need to reconfigure your router, obviously, and tell it to go ahead and get an address via DHCP. But but beyond that, I think you're uh, you're golden. You got any thoughts on that, John? Uh, my thought would be, yeah, I'm assuming when he says static is that he's set up to manually. I don't know if this is the Correct. case or if he's yeah. if he has a kind of static DHCP address, which we talked about before. And a lot of sure. uh, machinery, the uh, network machinery has this ability. It basically binds your MAC address as, oh, what's your hardware network adapter address? Oh, it's you. Okay, here's the address that belongs to you. So it's DHCP but it's not really dynamic because it always gives you the same address. So, so I don't know if he's set up that way or if he's set up with a manually assigned, in which case, yeah, he, it, it'll get easier in that you, no, I guess the answer is transferring the address is no. Right. Is that, and hopefully you don't have a domain name tied to that IP address, in which case that's why these dynamic services are, are wonderful. Yep. That's right. Yeah, something like DynIP or DynDNS.org uh, will... Yeah, this is the reason you want to use these guys. If you do switch providers, you're not going to all of a sudden be in a... Well, not that anybody hands out their IP address to come to their website, at least I hope not. Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so you, you mentioned one thing in there that, that leads me to a, a question. He mentioned the PS3 that he's got. I told uh, Lisa and I, we told our now five-and-a-half-year-old son not mm -hmm. too long ago we said look he, he really wanted to get some kind of handheld game system and we said all right look if you save up half the money for it we'll match it and i thought well that's he good. was gaming pretty seriously when when i was up there uh, but did he have a nintendo he had an old old nintendo black and oh. white game boy that was lisa's when she was a kid yeah oh that old wow yeah, yeah. so Oops. uh so he said, okay, fine. Well, I get an email from him while, uh, while I'm at WWDC. <laughs> Daddy, I, I've got, you know, uh, 107 bucks saved up. It's like, well, how'd that wow. happen? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so it's time. And, and we were really leaning toward the PSP. That's kind of what I assumed we would get for him. And because it'll play movies and that sort of thing. So it, it you know, mm -hmm. so, serves double duty on long car rides and that sort of thing. But we've started to hear that perhaps the Nintendo DS is better for a kid his age. Again, he's five and a half. So mm -hmm. I ask you, fellow listeners, or uh, fellow geeks, our dear listeners, if you have any thoughts on, on this, please send them to me. Uh, my, my son would very much appreciate it because he's, he's been very patient waiting as we're doing all this research. So any thoughts you folks might have would, uh, would be very much appreciated. So Only you are standing between his son and the new toy. <laughs> so... Snap to it. That's uh, okay. <laughs> That's but I don't know what's what's uh, you know what's hot with the five year olds today. I, I just don't hang out with them that much. <laughs> yeah, well, you know Lucas, so there you go. Yeah, I mean, I, I work with people that sometimes act like five year olds. But... Well, that's different though. <laughs>
iPhone Alley.com is uh, is the place to go to find out all about the iPhone. Of course, today Apple announced that the iPhone specs yeah. got a little better. We have a glass screen instead of a plastic screen and eight hours instead more of five juice, hours of battery man. life. Well, I don't know that it's got more juice. It's either got more juice or it's using it more efficiently. They aren't being clear on, on that. So Yeah, and the stock went up three, four bucks. Yeah, well, it went down all last week uh, because of WWDC. Yeah. So, you know. yeah, I guess yeah. The, the the investment community wasn't wowed Mm-mm. by the keynote. Actually, a lot of people were like, yeah, it wasn't the best. I mean, it was me Steve. Away. Didn't blow me away. Did, did you say it did not blow you away? That's exactly what I said. I said it twice. Wow. Okay. Just yeah. just want to make sure I don't have something in my ear. Well, you yeah. know, I mean, we've... Hey, sometimes Steve's got it. Actually, I've, I've seen some jokes online. A lot of people speculated that um you know he was at that recent event with bill gates yeah the the d d3 d5 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 that's it (laughs) some people suspected that steve's reality distortion field got tainted by being close to bill it's Uh been corrupted and he no longer has the rdf wow hey who knows i'm just reporting i i don't make this stuff up it sounds like you do though uh Podcast and New Media Expo is September 28th to September 30th. Uh, all all signs point to John and I being there, so we look forward to seeing you if you're going to be there. Cashfly Hosting is where you've downloaded this show. Wow, what just happened there? Did I? Uh, oh, we, we I, I totally lost track of where we were with the with the thing. I, I threw away the piece of paper that I normally read from, so now I'm reading from the notes directly in Yojimbo, and I'm not watching anything else on the screen. So there you go. Music. Yeah. A5 desktop speakers from Audio Engine, BB Edit from Barebones Software, one free download from Audible, and Page Sender from Smile on My Mac are all in the podcast marketplace. And uh, hey to everybody at Smile on My Mac for uh, thanks for the, the invite and the hospitality at the great party last week. Backbeat Media Podcast Network is from... From from where where you would go to advertise on this show, that's going to be. Mm. I'm just not rolling with it tonight. That's a rousing uh, recommendation. Thanks. Yeah. It's, I, <laughs> Are you you got jet lag. We're done. I get. I do actually. I, I really do. Let's go. Reviews. Reviews. You know, yeah, reviews podcast are coming up. Alley, iTunes, oh, yeah. whatever. We're gonna do a review cast soon, John. We're gonna make that part of our uh, our monthly thing. I think once every month, really? or once every six weeks, we're gonna do. Yeah, not the whole show, but you know, focus on reviews. Look for one near you now. Next, I soon. didn't get the memo. You got it now. Hmm. Put it in a circular file, I think. Yeah, spam filter. <laughs>